You're listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. This episode features a conversation on a top priority for counties in the 2023 legislative session, a request that the state fully fund any increase in hourly pay rates for 18B indigent defense attorneys. NYSAC's counsel, Patrick Cummings, is joined for the conversation today by Patricia Worth, director of the New York State Office of Indigent Legal Services. Hello, county leaders. This is Patrick Cummings, counsel with NYSAC, and it is my pleasure to bring you a podcast with the director of the New York State Office of Indigent Legal Services, Patricia Worth. Um, Today, we will cover what her office does, uh, what they do to support and improve the public defense system throughout the state, um, how they work with counties, and what she sees as uh, the, the future uh, of this, this vital system. So uh, Patricia, thank you so much for joining us and joining our county officials. Um, I'll start with this. Uh, why, why don't I'll get out of the way and let you introduce yourself a bit and then just let us know for, for those that don't know, um, work with your office uh, on a daily basis, which many of our county officials do, what exactly is ILS and, and what, what do you do? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me on your podcast. As you know, I mentioned to you before, I always enjoy talking to your membership. Um, and so I started at ILS in 2015, initially as the chief implementation attorney for the Haral Herring Settlement Implementation Unit. Um, in 2019, I assumed the role of counsel for ILS. And then in 2021, in June, the ILS board nominated me to be the director of ILS to take over for Bill Leahy, who had been director for 10 years. Um, But to answer the question about what does ILS do, I want to sort of go back and frame the question in the context of New York's public defense system, because we that's the system in which we work and which we have the statutory mission to monitor, study and make efforts to improve. Um, but as your membership knows, since 1965, um, New York State, it, you know, that's the year New York State enacted County Law um, Article 18B. And County Law Article 18B puts upon counties in New York City the responsibility for fulfilling the state's obligation, the state's constitutional and statutory obligations, to ensure the right to counsel for people in criminal matters and family court matters who can't afford counsel. Um, So New York has basically what is referred to as a county-based public defense system. Um, And in 2006, um, then Chief Judge Judith Kaye had convened a commission that had studied New York's county-based system for two years. And that commission, often called the Kaye Commission, issued a report. And the report findings were scathing. You know, the the commission found that this county-based system because it relies solely on county funding, just doesn't have the capacity and resources needed to meet the state's constitutional obligation um, to ensure the right to counsel. <clears throat> and so the K Commission recommended two things, you know, two core recommendations. One, that the state commit a fiscal investment to public defense. The commission made it clear that the counties themselves simply do not have the fiscal capacity to bear that responsibility. It's a state constitutional statutory obligation, so the state needs to make the fiscal investment. 
The second recommendation is that the state provide some um, overview of um, public defense to ensure um, quality representation and to ensure that there's uniformity across the state, you know, that, that there isn't different standards from county to county. Um, and I mentioned the Kate Commission report because that is one of the things that led to the creation of our office mm -hmm. in 2010. Um, there are several things that happened after the Kate Commission report, and we'll talk about some of those things, but one of them was advocacy around creating a state office with the mission to you know, improve the quality of, of um, public defense. And so our office was created in 2010 with the enactment of Executive Law 832, which creates the office in my position, yeah. um, and the enactment of Executive Law 833, which creates the ILS board, a nine member board to which I, as the director of ILS answer. So the, the creation of the board established ILS as an agency unlike other state agencies, even though we're housed in the executive, we are somewhat independent from the executive in that I answer not to the governor, but to the board. Um, and that, that I think has been very important um, in ensuring that ILS um, can pursue our mission. And that independence is also fully aligned with the American Bar Association's 10 principles of a public defense system. And principle number one is that there be some independence from the executive and the judiciary. So our office was established to monitor, study, and make efforts to improve the quality of mandated representation. We work very closely with counties and New York City in doing so. When our office was created, we also um, took over the responsibility of dispersing funds from the Indigent Legal Services Fund, which was a special state fund created in 2003. And so we're responsible for dispersing those funds too. And what that allows us to do is to work closely with counties to you know, not only monitor and see what's happening, but to problem solve and have some state funding um, tied to improving the quality of representation. That, that's great. Um, so if I'm understanding the way the system works, uh, it is a federal constitutional mandate that the states provide counsel to those that cannot afford it themselves. Um, certainly in criminal court, um, there's also uh, family court aspects that I think we'll talk about. Um, the state of New York is in turn um, what they do with a lot of we, we're, we, you know, we are a county heavy uh, service model. They turned this important service onto the counties to provide, and that's why your counties have your, your public defense. We'll talk about different forms in a, in a moment. Um, but your office is there to help with oversight and to make sure that the funding stream is there. Um, so, so to ensure that that quality that that that, that quality representation is there, and not to make it put on a county to fiscally do that burden. Um, again, going back to the federal constitutional mandate, is that is that accurate? I would say it's both a federal and a state constitutional mandate mm. um, and a statutory mandate, um, you know, state statutory mandate. And that's because, you know, not only is there the Sixth Amendment right to counsel in our federal constitution, but our New York state constitution similarly has that right to counsel. You know, so, you know, it's, it's both a federal and a state obligation, but it's a state obligation. Um, and, you know, until 2003, um, counties were bearing the fiscal part of that solely. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until 2003 when New York State created 
the Indigent Legal Services Fund pursuant to state finance law 98B, that there was some county fiscal contribution to the counties um, to meet this, this constitutional and statutory requirement. Um, and since 2003, that fiscal con um, contribution of the state has continued to expand as it should. That's great. The, the, you mentioned your board and the board makeup um, and how that is different. You know, you're, you're, you're uh, an office or an agency of the state, right? However, um, like you pointed out, you take direction from a board as opposed to um, a lot of agencies directly from, from the executive. Uh, is there any local government um, officials on that board? What's the board makeup like? Like, right. So it's a nine member board. Um, and um, the, the makeup of the board, two of the members, so significant percentage of the board um, are members that are chosen or you know, chosen through NISAC, through your organization. Um, now, ultimately, the governor has to appoint them to the board, but you you make that selection and then the governor follows through with the appointment to the board. Um, you know, another um, position is, um, you know, I'm looking at our statute right now. Um, the chief judge is the chair of the board. Um, the um, Senate appoints, recommends somebody to be appointed. The assembly recommends a board member. Um, the New York State Bar Association recommends a board member. Um, the governor has uh, to choose somebody with at least five years of um, public defense experience. Um, and then the governor also has another um, person who, who has to be appointed, an attorney appointed by, you know, to the board. But if you look at that, that makeup, um, NISAC has the biggest percentage of uh, board members, and that's as it should. Because what, to me, when I read Executive Law 833 in our board composition, what that signals to me as director of the office is that it's, you know, my priority is to work effectively with the counties. We can't do our job because it's a county-based system. We, we can't do the work unless we establish good relationships with the counties. And that's really an important part of our ethos and how we do our work. Great. Uh, th this will be a, a few part question. Now I want to move into your your day to days, uh, your office with our counties and, and how, how you're involved. And I I know your the, the 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 revenue stream is obviously a huge, huge piece. And and um, who gets reimbursed, who gets what, when, uh, what's reimbursable. But that so um, as well as, as but but ultimately this is this is. You know, uh, keeping in mission with with making sure we're having the, the, the strongest uh, public defense system possible. So how do you interact with the counties? Um, what what's what's at play there? So when ILS was created in 2010, we were given the statutory responsibility of taking over disbursements of, um, you know, ILS fund monies to the counties. And so initially what we did is um, we took the funding that had been dispersed to the counties by the state prior to our, you know, creation of our office in 2010. And we used that amount to disperse to each county. Um, and that's dispersed via distribution funding. This is non-competitive funding. And all the counties have to do to get this funding is to show to ILS, you know, send ILS a, a plan. It doesn't have to be, you know, formalized, um, but it needs to be a plan to show one, that the funding will be used to improve the quality of public defense, and two, that the providers of legal representation in the county had a voice in that decision-making. So 
with Harold Herring Settlement, and we'll talk about that and its expansion mm -hmm. statewide, there's a, a different um, flow of funding to the counties. Um, but for all the flows of fundings to the counties from ILS, all of them, um, we disperse to the counties via contracts. So line item, you know, contracts with line item budgets. These are cost reimbursement contracts. So the counties have to expend the money and then seek reimbursement from ILS. Um, and so, you know, we have a grants unit that works diligently to make sure that, you know, once a county um, submits a claim, that they're paid as, as quickly as possible. That's really important to us that the funding flows. Um, in developing the contracts, you know, the, the sort of core of the contract is the budget. You know, the budget basically operationalizes a plan for mm -hmm. quality improvement. We don't tell the counties what that plan needs to be. We don't dictate to the counties um, because we our, our ethos in working with counties is one of humility and respect. You know, we, we really go to the table with a sense of, we wanna hear what's happening, we wanna hear what your concerns are, and we wanna problem solve. But we all know we're working in the, in the same direction. We all know we're working to improve the quality of public defense. And so with that sort of similarity of mission, you know, we were always able to come up with a plan um, that the county is happy with and that we're happy with. Um, so, you know, it's a really collaborative process and that's important mm -hmm. to us that we hear from the counties what their experiences are and what their priorities are and that they, you know, hear from us as well and that we get to a place where, um, you know, people are comfortable with how the funding is, is going to be spent. So, so I think I think in talking about reimbursement to counties, um, I think it's important to point out to our listeners that, that there are a number of ways that while this mission was put on counties um, to, to give this service, we do have some flexibility in how counties in all 57 New York City provide that public defense service, right? And um, the, the ones I can think of off the top of my head are certainly your public defender, right? So a county employee working uh, for the county in the public defense office, uh, a conflict defender's office that can get some overflow, um, 18B attorneys, which I'll definitely want you to talk about to, to figure yeah. out, to tell our listeners what exactly those are. And then there's also, you know, legal aid contracts and things. Am I missing anything? Is that, that's basically the, 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 and every county is one of four or all four, right? Is that, is that accurate, Patricia? There's any county, I'd have to think about that. I don't think there's any county that has all four, but there's several counties that have three of those four. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And every county has to have an assigned council program to do conflicts. Um, there's just no way around it. And let, let me pause you there. Is that, assigned councils, that mean 18B? Because I'm going to be yeah. using the two terms. Good. Okay. So, okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, assigned council are 18B attorneys. They're attorneys who, you know, private attorneys who, um, you know, take cases, um, you know, are assigned cases um, from an, they should be assigned from an ACP administrator or court um, to represent somebody. And, you know, some counties have ACPs as the primary provider for, you know, mm -hmm. for, for public defense. Um, some counties use them as a conflict provider. Um, and, but, but, you know, however they function, they, you have to have an ACP because, even if you have a public defender office or a contract with the Legal Aid Society, you're going to have conflicts, either you know ethical conflicts or caseload conflicts. 
and you need um, these 18B attorneys to be able to take those conflict cases. We'll be right back to the conversation after a brief message from a sponsor of ours at NYSEC. Assured Partners is one of the fastest growing insurance brokers in the U.S., exceeding more than $1 billion in revenue since being founded in 2011. Founded from a national partnership of leading independent property and casualty and employee benefits brokerage firms, Assured Partners is now one of the largest brokers in the nation with offices in 38 states and two countries. For more information, be sure to visit assuredpartners.com. Yeah, there's been a lot of news about 18B attorneys assigned, yes. assigned private counsel lately because um, they there has not been in statute. These are these are not county employees, like you said. They're private employees that the county hires uh, to, to perform the, this service, both in family and um, right. in criminal court. Um, and there is by statute, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, a set rate per hour uh, for how much uh, the, these uh, individuals make. And there is a push because of the fact that it hasn't gone up in 17 years um, right. to increase that. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and, and how that's shaping um, different debates going on around the state right now? Sure. So as I said, you know, the 18Bs are critical to the public defense system. You have to have them. Um, and, you know, one of the things I'm most proud of is the work that ILS has done in seeking to um, bolster ACP capacity or 18B capacity and to bolster the administrative infrastructure that, you know, oversees these attorneys to one, ensure that attorneys have the resources they need and two, to ensure that there's some quality oversight. You know, they're contractors, so you can't supervise them but you can provide quality oversight and you can ensure that they have the resources that they need um, to provide quality representation and you can gauge how well they're using those resources. So ILS is, I think, unlike other state indigent defense commissions, we've really focused not only on the public defender offices and the legal aids, but also the ACPs or the 18B programs. Um, but we're signing. And we're stymied in our efforts to improve the quality because um, while the counties are responsible for paying these 18B attorneys, the state sets their statutory fee, their hourly fee. And currently the hourly fee is $60 for misdemeanors and $75 for everything else, for fel felonies and family court um, representation and appeals. Compare that to the federal assigned counsel rate which just this month went up to $164 an hour. Compare that to what I pay my mechanic, <laughs> which is $125 an hour. You know, I mean, it's just not correct that 18B attorneys make so little funding. And that, that statutory rate was set in 2003, effective 2004. It hasn't gone up since. And so as a result of the state's failure to increase that rate, <clears throat> Um, that it, there's a lot of attorneys who are just leaving the panels. They're not taking these cases anymore. They're not taking assigned cases anymore. And the ACP programs or the 18B programs are having real difficulty recruiting new attorneys because it's just not enough money to, you know, not only do the work, 
but to pay the technology that you need to, to have, to pay your bar dues, to um, have an office overhead, to have support staff and administrative support staff. I mean, that hourly fee doesn't just go to the attorney, it goes to funding an office and everything that an office needs to function. Um, and so attorneys basically are not making a living wage right now with the current statutory rate. Which, yeah, when we, we saw the, the issue of uh, this issue even happening before, I mean, we're, we're in a recent, we're in a new crisis with counties of trying to get employees in all fields, but, but it's uh, <clears throat> certainly <clears throat> something we've seen this in this field in particular, um, and we're yeah. still seeing that, of trying to get employees, quality employees to help uh, attorneys in. Um, now, you mentioned earlier, and I want to tie this together with the Harrell Herring settlement and funding streams and even uh, in existing prior to the Earl Herring uh, funding streams of, of there is money from the state that's come uh, quite a bit. Uh, you know, we've seen a large improvement over uh, for, for how much has come to counties uh, for uh, through the Earl Herring settlements, hundreds of millions of dollars is, is going into the, the state's public defense system. Now, of those four categories that we mentioned before of, of how counties can provide services that include the 18Bs, now, why why is the funding not enough uh, from the state when yeah. when there's been this influx? What 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 happened there? That's a really good question. So first of all, I should say, you know, under um, you know, with the Harrell Herring settlement, which was settled, you know, this is a lawsuit, a class action lawsuit against the state, um, and that was one of the things that emerged from the K Commission report was um, the K Commission report led to the New York Civil Liberties Union partnering with um, Schulte Roth, a private law firm to um, initiate a class action lawsuit against the state, basically taking the information from the Kate Commission report and showing how the public defense system in New York was failing to meet the state's constitutional obligations. So that lawsuit was filed in 2007. Um, it was settled in 2014. For various reasons, it, the settlement only applied to five counties. And ILS was tasked with the responsibility of determining what is needed in those five counties to both meet, you know, ensure attorneys don't have overwhelming caseloads, to improve the quality of representation, and to ensure that there's counsel at all first court appearances in, in criminal matters. So counsel at arraignment. And so we determined that that, that funding needed to be $23.8 million a year, which since 2017, when it was the state's obligation to fully implement, the state has fully funded that $23.8 million. Um, that $23.8 million that we calculated didn't take into account increasing assigned council rates. So the money is appropriated for other purposes, right? Similarly, in 2017, the state enacted legislation extending the Harrell hearing settlement statewide. Um, they basically amended our statute to add a subdivision four to executive law 832 that says not only does this have to happen in those five counties, but it has to happen statewide and the state will pay for that. ILS had to determine how much that would cost the state. Mm -hmm. We made that determination in 2017 in a report that we sent to the state. We calculated it would cost $250 million a year. And again, those calculations don't take into account increased assigned council rates. There, that money is appropriated for you know, quality improvement, caseload relief, 
um, and counsel at, at first appearance or counsel at arraignment. So we don't have the luxury of saying that the Horal Hearing Settlement Funding or the statewide Horal Hearing Funding can be used for increased, um, increased rates. But having said that, I wanna make this clear. ILS feels very strongly that the rates need to be increased and that the state needs to pay for the increase. We feel that if the state is fully committed to meeting its constitutional obligations, the state needs to pay for the ACP increase and that if the state doesn't do that, both the settlement itself and its expansion statewide just will fail. We, we, we appreciate that, appreciate that perspective and support. I, I can tell you, yeah, I hear from county members all the time that they, they understand that, a, that a, an increase for 18Bs is, is, is long overdue. It's, it's the issue of who's going to pay for it because the, the counties are, have still limited amount of resources, uh, doing other services, uh, having tax caps. And, and so it's, it's, it's really something that we're, we're, we're more than, more than hoping and understanding that, that this, and I really appreciate you saying it is the state's obligation to, to finish, to finish what they started to make this, uh, the gold standard, um, system by paying for the 18B. So, but again, in some, what we're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, the public, for, for the, the new money that was been coming into public defense, your public defender is eligible, uh, office is eligible for that. Your conflict defender's uh, office is eligible for that. Your 18B with the increases is not. That that that, that would be. The 18B is eligible for, um, you know, for um, council-led arraignment and quality improvement initiatives. So we've spent a significant amount of funding for the 18Bs um, for their programs to develop like second share programs, mentoring programs, to um, have a pot of funding available so that you know um, attorneys are not limited in using non-attorney professional supports, mm -hmm. that they can retain you know the investigators, the interpreters, the social workers, you know the experts that they need. Um, so the state will pay for that, um, and there is some funding available too for. Um, the increased amount of time attorneys will be spending on cases as a result of you of these resources, but that but that's how we calculated the funding. We didn't calculate the increased rates. The pay, the um, pay increase, yeah, yeah, yeah. And our you know we have done an estimate. Um, our calculation is that if the um, assigned counsel rates are doubled, that mm -hmm. would cost. In the state pays for it, it'll cost the state about $150 million a year. So you can see why the money that we're currently dispersing to the counties isn't enough to pay for that. Yeah. And and, and the counties are, are, are not in a position, at least especially annually, to take on that that cost themselves. So so again, we we yeah. we we align with you on on how this needs to get done. We we appreciate your support. Um, one more thing I just wanted to touch on before before we go. I want wanted to point out uh, something that's often overlooked is, is family court. I know we talk about public defense law and criminal court, but can you share with us um, what what happens in eight, with 18Bs and others in, in family court and why, why that's so important? Yeah. So part of, you know, county law article 18B is not only um, representation for people who can't afford it in criminal cases, but also the representation of parents who can't afford it in family court matters. Um, particularly child welfare matters where the mm -hmm. state is really trying to take their kids away from them mm -hmm. and you know in, in, in those kinds of matters. So um, the the Cade Commission studied 
public defense, but focused on criminal defense. They didn't look at family court representation, although in the report, they referenced the fact that family court representation is in need of state funding and oversight just as much as criminal. But it wasn't a major part of the Kate Commission's report. So the Harrell hearing lawsuit didn't go to family court and the, the Terrell hearing settlement didn't go to family court representation and the expansion statewide didn't go to family court representation. So this influx of state funding, which has been really great for improving the quality of public criminal defense hasn't touched the, the quality of family court representation. And so from ILS's perspective, you know, for me as director, I, I feel like, you know, I, I think of there's two significant pieces of unfinished business. One is increasing the ACP rates, mm -hmm. which we already discussed. And two is um, getting the state to make a fiscal investment in parental representation or family court or representation aligned with the investment that they've made in public criminal defense. Yeah, and again, we we support and appreciate that because again, this that's a cost right now that that counties uh, are, on the most part are are bearing. So it, it, again, any 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 help there, and we've seen increased uh, amounts of of activity in family court, so that increases the costs. Um, and the eighteen B increases would would hit there as well, correct? Exactly. And one of the the interesting things to know is that. In family court representation, even more than criminal court representation, um, you know, the counties rely on the 18Bs even more. Mm. So, you know, the, the increase for 18Bs is an imperative, not only for criminal defense, public criminal defense, but it really, really is even more of an imperative for improving the quality of, um, you know, mandated representation in family court matters. Well, I want to thank you uh, for your time. I do want to, do you want to let uh, counties know how to reach out to your office if they've got questions or any kind of follow-up um, ever? I, I know working with you all over these years in, in your office that, that you are, um, uh, if not one of, if not the most uh, responsive and get back in the help counties uh, immediately. So we always appreciate it, but how can they reach out to you if, if they need to sure. get a hold of you? For um, my email is on our website. It's patricia.warth at ils.ny.gov. Um, my phone number is on our website too. Um, so I urge, you know, people to reach out to me. If I can't answer your question, I can, you know, send the call to the person in not our office who can. Um, who can deal most directly with it. But yes, it's, you know, what you said, it's, you know, it's important um, for ILS as an office to be responsive to, to county officials and, and the providers when they reach out to us. So everybody in my office knows um, to be, to be responsive. Well, Patricia, thank you so much. Um, you are so helpful to our NISAC members, to NISAC itself, um, and really appreciate what you're doing to uh, support and bolster uh, public defense system um, and family court system throughout the state. You do such a great job and thank you for your time here today. Well, and today. thank you. I mean, our, the support that NISAC has given our office over the years has just been priceless. And without your support, I don't think we could have achieved um, what we've achieved so far. And we're gonna continue to rely on it <laughs> and moving forward. So um, thank you for, for your support, for your membership and for this opportunity. Thanks, Patricia.
Thanks for listening to this episode of NYSAC's County Conversations podcast. Keep tuning in for more county government-focused conversations, and make sure to subscribe to stay up to date.